Welcome to the BreastCancer.org podcast, the podcast that brings you the latest information on breast cancer research, treatments, side effects, and survivorship issues through expert interviews, as well as personal stories from people affected by breast cancer. Here's your host, BreastCancer.org Senior Editor, Jamie DiPolo. Hello, as always, thanks for listening. Our guest today is Kelly Grosglogs, an experienced therapist who dedicated her practice to minimizing suffering through her work in oncology, palliative care, and hospice. Kelly is a licensed clinical social worker, a board-certified diplomat in clinical social work, and a fellow of the American Academy of Grief Counseling. Kelly now speaks and teaches about end-of-life issues, including care, grief, and loss, both in person and on her website, Conversations with Kelly. Her support has helped patients, caregivers, and health professionals cope with depression and anxiety and transform fear into hope. Kelly joins us today to talk about ways to combat the loneliness and possible depression people may be feeling during this time of enforced isolation and social distancing because of COVID-19. Kelly, thank you so, so much for talking to us today. Jamie, it's good to be back with you. And of course, I have such a deep compassion for um, the people who are living with cancer and particularly with breast cancer as well. So thank you for inviting me back. Absolutely. You were one, the first person I thought of when we were talking Aww. about how people on our discussion boards were talking about feeling lonely and isolated. I'm like, oh, let me reach out to Kelly and see if she'll do a podcast with us so we can talk about some of the things that people can do. Now, before Aww. we start talking about that, I, I do want to ask you, you recently traveled home from Barcelona. You and your family were in Spain. And you mm -hmm. were coming home right when all the restrictions were announced. So can you just tell us a little bit about what that was like and what you went through? Sure. So we actually came home because of that. Um, we okay. cut our trip short and we started off in, in France um, at the beginning of the trip and then went to Barcelona, which I'd highly recommend, not at this moment, uh, <laughs> even though I think you could probably get it pretty cheap. But yeah. um I would not recommend obviously traveling now. We can't, but it was, it was a really strange um, experience in that there was so much panic in France, but not as much in Barcelona um, at all. There weren't a lot of masks. There weren't a lot of things. So actually for a moment, we kind of got to this place where we forgot about it a little bit, um, which was, which was refreshing. But then when our president um, announced that, he was going to be closing the borders. Our daughter actually came into our room at the VRBO and said, and it was like two in the morning and said, the borders are going to be closing. So we got up and there was so much information. And I think that's another thing I want to talk about today. There's just always so much kind of mixed information when there's chaos. And so we originally were told we weren't going to be able to get back. Then later found out we could get back um, if we were Americans. But nevertheless, we're home safe. And mm -hmm. it was very anxiety provoking because um, we didn't know for sure if we we're going to be able to get back. We were able to book a flight. It cost us a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, and when you arrive back in the state, um, it was still early enough before all this broke that um, there were questions, there were interviews, but there wasn't screening per se, which I think there should have been. But 
you do now that we're back, um, we are in self quarantine. Um, we're in day like nine of it, okay. of the 14. And um, it's an interesting feeling, you know, there's a little bit of like, we're kind of plagued with something. I mean, nobody really wants to be around us, um, nor should they be, but we're fine uh, as far as we can tell. But even walking in the neighborhood, um, keeping our distance, neighbors saying things like, we don't want to come near you. And so oh, that's been an interesting experience, quite mm-hmm. frankly. And I, I um, working in the field of HIV and AIDS in the early 90s, um, these are the things that my patients would tell me back then right. that they didn't, you know, people don't want to come around them. They feel like they're going to catch something just by looking at them or talking to them and getting a little bit of that um, perspective, quite honestly. So you know, it's, it was stressful, but it's been a little, it's been more stressful being here <laughs> than it was being there because I was living kind of in the ignorance of it at the time, um, you know, because Barcelona really wasn't hit until recently. I mean, Madrid was really hit. Now mm-hmm. I know Spain's a hot, a hot area, but, um, it, you know, it's just what's been more interesting, Jamie, is the experience coming back here to the States. What, what do you see? What, what are you experiencing? What are people saying mm-hmm. to you? I know you're doing um, a lot of online stuff on your Facebook page, yeah. on conversations with Callie. What, what are people talking to you about? So the interesting thing, I, I've had a lot of people reach out to me. And what I, so my two areas of specialty are oncology and mental health, um, and then grief and loss. And what's been interesting is people that have um, experience cancer diagnosis or even any kind of life threatening um, diagnosis or a significant loss have traveled these waters before. Um, that's really what I'm hearing from people. They're anxious about it, but they also, when they take a step back, um, many people are realizing that they have the tools that they've developed already going through the health crisis, going through the loss that they're relying on now. Um, the interesting thing is, though, this is the first time in my lifetime that we've all been in the same boat, per se, together. Like, we're all, you know, we're all entering this kind of at the same time here, at least in the United States. I mean, but as a world, we're entering this, we can all relate to it. Unlike people living with cancer, unlike people maybe who have had a significant loss, that can be incredibly unique. And so, you know, it can feel really isolating right now, but I also want to reiterate that we're, we are actually in this together. Like this is truly an experience that probably most of us in our lifetime have never experienced where we can, we can relate to people. Um, And we're in this and we're, we're all impacted maybe a little differently. Some of us are losing our jobs. Some of us have um, another pre-existing health condition that is, um, you know, that's compounding the fear. But if we step back for a minute, if we can realize that we're all in this together, I think that in itself can be a form of support. That's, that's very wise. I think so too. And I'm curious, you know, I know you have a lot of experience working with people with, who've been diagnosed with cancer. Um, do you think that perhaps those people are they are they more likely to feel overwhelmed or sad because 
they've got a cancer diagnosis and now they've got all this other stuff on top of it? Or is it that mm -hmm. they're maybe more resilient because, as you said, they do have those kind of coping skills? Sure. So I, I think it's a both and situation here. I mean, and when I speak, I'm, I'm speaking from, you know, I have a smaller, I, I don't want to make this like a blanket statement when I answer, mm -hmm. but from what I, from what I know and from what I've experienced in the last week, coming from the people that have reached out to me, many mm -hmm. of them are terminal. Okay. Many of them are terminal. Um, they're living with metastatic disease and they're not necessarily actively dying, but they're living with a terminal illness. Mm -hmm. So the interesting thing that has come from those conversations are that, yes, they're scared, but it is more about um, the fear of not being able to go to their appointments, the fear of lack of, uh, will they be able to get treatment? Will treatment, will the medicines be available? Mm -hmm. Is there going to be a shortage on pain medication? Um, they want to be able to see their families those kinds of things versus the experience of death. Um, and that's been really interesting because I think we all have to look at what is, when, you know, what is the identifying fear? What's our major fear? Mm -hmm. And then once we identify that, like what's behind that fear? And so for a lot of the patients that I've worked with, quite honestly, it's not so much the death. It's more about, um, between here and the end, like, what are they going to be lacking? And I think we have to be very conscientious with that and, and know that people might assume that we're fearful of death. Okay. That, that could be one of them. But what I'm hearing a lot from people is more about the lack of being able to be connected, the lack of going to support group, um, the inability to get what they need, all of those types of things that are feeling as big, if not bigger for some of the people I've been talking to. And, okay. you know, there, some people have been kind of flippant and have said, oh, I've been dealing with this for a long time. Now it's just called something different or, um, you know, we know how to do this or whatever it may be. Yes. I'm seeing a ton of anxiety around this because it is an unknown. And I think people have to remember too, that when diagnosed with cancer, that was also an un unknown. Mm -hmm. And now that they've traveled through that, it's become more of a known. Um, we're in another time here of uncertainty, but go back to how have you managed your cancer diagnosis, your fear, your concerns with this diagnosis? It can apply to the fear around the COVID-19 also. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's, you know, we are in a new time, a new day, or in a, a, a new thing, so to speak, but we were made for connection. We are resilient. And I think that that is really important to remember. Um, I'm actually calling it physical um, distancing versus social distancing, because I want to make sure that people are physically distant, but they are not emotionally distant. And, and there's that kind of thing within social distancing where I think people hear that we can be creative right now in ways we're social. You know, we are fortunately in a time where many of us have access to technology. I know not all of us do. Mm -hmm. Many of us do. Um, Google Hangouts, FaceTime, um, Facebook Messenger, phone calls, you know, like old right. fashioned phone calls, um, texting. 
some of these different things, even emailing back and forth, but I want to make sure that we are still really committed to being emotionally connected. Physically, we do have to be distant right now, Mm -hmm. Um, but being emotionally connected. And so that's a long answer to your question, but I, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of different responses. I will have to say though, that I have seen many people um, who have lived with a life-threatening illness be very, it's just been a very interesting thing for me. It's actually kind of stopped me in my tracks and gone, oh, that's interesting. Um, Where people aren't downplaying it, but they're saying that they have felt this familiarity that the rest of the world is feeling before. Yeah, that's that's interesting because that was there was actually a couple comments like that on our discussion boards where and I'm going to paraphrase this. Uh, a woman mm-hmm. said, you know, now the the planet is kind of going through what the hysteria that that she felt when mm-hmm. she was diagnosed, like this overwhelming, like oh my gosh, I'm going to die, and after she kind of processed that and maybe she didn't make complete peace with it, but, you know, she says, I'm marching on, I'm coping, I function, I live my life. And right now it seems like the planet maybe isn't quite there yet. We're still kind of in that hysteric mode of, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Oh my gosh. And Mm -hmm. um, I guess the only lesson maybe that I take away from that, not being a professional, is that we will get there. It's just going to take some time. Yes, yes, we will get there. Um, As like with any crisis, there's a peak, and then there can be um, some settling in, leaning into kind of that uncertainty a little bit, but there's a peak. Then there's a plateau. We might see another peak. I mean, I do think in terms of diagnostically, our cases, I think, you know, it is going to get maybe worse before it gets better um, based on what we know from the, from the other countries that have gone through this. But I also think um, we have to remember that we, there are things we can do and, and we, and we need to do those. And those are things like, you know, staying home, hand washing, um, getting enough sleep. I mean, taking the best care of us that we can I think it's going to be really important. And um, I do think we're going to get there. And I, well, I, I know we're going to get there. I mean, I know this is going to settle. If you think about even 9-11 and how this country has been able to be resilient through that. But I remember very clearly those first early days, weeks, months of 9-11, I didn't know if we were going to be able to get through it. That's our American version of, okay, when's the last time we were all kind of impacted in a way? And, you know, we, we did get through it and we will never be the same, mm-hmm. but we, that's not necessarily the goal is to be the same. You know, anytime there's a crisis, anytime there's something that comes in, I will never call it a gift. But there are some opportunities. I've already seen people in my own life change around this. They have different perspectives. They have different gratitude. They've kind of looked at the pace of their life and how crazy it was and what was that for and um, really dedicating time to take care of themselves, telling people how much they love them, telling people thank you. Mm-hmm. Some, forgive, some forgiveness is happening right now because it's like, you know, there's bigger things in the world than holding on to that grudge with your brother 
about something that happened 10 years ago or whatever it may be. And so I don't, you know, I don't know when, I just know we are going to get through this. The problem is right now, there's so much hysteria in the media and there's conflicting information. And so one of the things I really want to recommend to people is find your source that feels intuitively like you can trust it, whether it's CDC, the World Health Organization, your local Department of Health, um, maybe there's a, a podcast, a program you listen to, and try to funnel it into that. Because I have noticed even when I listen to different channels, I'm getting different information and it's really creating anxiety and kind of confusion for me. Mm -hmm. So I would really recommend find what feels intuitive. We have to set some boundaries around how much we're taking in. I mean, it is, we're getting bombarded mm -hmm. and we are not meant for that kind of overload. This is like trauma, you know, and when I was thinking about talking with you too, I was thinking, okay, so you have cancer, COVID-19 and anxiety, depression, that, that's like a trio of trauma. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is a trauma to have those things. And, and it's, I know for a lot of the people, it's bringing up PTSD, it's sure. bringing up um, trauma around that, because maybe with the cancer diagnosis and living with cancer, depending upon early stage, metastatic, whatever it is, maybe you've just gotten in a groove to try and under, understand it and you feel like you're starting to live your life with it. And um, maybe you've just gotten into a groove and then this comes. And so, you know, I, it's really important to acknowledge that there's still a lot of therapists that are practicing telemedicine. There's some practicing therapists still in person. It's important to find somebody to be able to talk through um, this trauma experience because we're all in this, but we're not all having the same reaction to this as I would expect. And I, and I think that that's important to remember. This might be the first time somebody's had their life kind of rattled to this extent. For some people, this is a very familiar rattling, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it's just called, it's called something different. And so mm -hmm. I really want to encourage people. It's like, okay, you, there is a resiliency with inside, inside you and all of us. What helps you get through um, another experience in your life that was traumatic, whether it was diagnosis, a loss, um, a relationship break, whatever it may be, and go internal, go into your center and find those things because they can apply and they can help you in this as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I, I do want to kind of go down that uh, path a little bit further. I mean, you talked about using the internet to to keep emotionally close to people. And I know last mm -hmm. night I used FaceTime and I did a workout with four of my other friends and we were all on FaceTime. Mm. And that, you know, that, that was actually, I felt closer to them than I thought I was going to. So it was kind of cool. But yeah. um, I know that, you know, as you said, some people don't have a lot of internet access or it's limited. So are there, are there other things people can do? Because I know you talked about mm -hmm. like what, what helped you in the past and maybe it was going to a support group or maybe it was going right. to yoga and those things are kind of limited right now. So we have to be yep. a little more creative. So what, um, what have you been yep. seeing or, or what would you share? Well, you know, um, it's, it's, it's interesting because um, I know some of the 
older generation um, aren't as comfortable with the internet. And a lot of the cancer um, and um, medical kind of organizations and nonprofits in Minnesota, at least, are using virtual support groups, virtual whatever. And those are great only if you have access to it. I've been able to be creative with people. So if you don't have access to be able to maybe get on um, a Google Hangouts or a virtual support group, what I am asking is that somebody in that group then call the person while they're on the phone um, or while they're in the, let's say they're on their laptop, they're in the support group. Let's say one of the um, attendees doesn't have access to that but likely they have a phone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's call them Jane and Mary and Jane's at home and she's hooked up to her laptop and she's in the virtual support group now. Um, she calls Mary, Mary's on the phone at least to feel, you know, it might be a third layer out, but at least feels connected. Um, and maybe she can put her on speaker and so Mary can at least hear what's going on, whatever it may be. I mean, we do have to be creative. Mm -hmm. And I do, I want to say that if people want to be connected, there are ways. I mean, I, I think, you know, there are barriers, but there are definitely ways. I know there's been a lot of letter writing to senior citizens. Um, I think there was even some scare around that, though, about how long can the virus live on these envelopes. And, oh, right. Like, yeah. It's just so much stuff right now. And so, but um, that's another option, too, is writing letters. I think the thing is, though, is make sure, you know, for people that live alone, um, it can be incredibly isolating. And if you know people that live alone, check in on them. I mean, if you can be at least six feet away, if not even 10, and just have a face-to-face, -face, like, hi, kind of thing, I mean, it would be a really nice thing to do. Um, people are dropping things off for people, you know, that, and not, so we're not having face-to-face, -face, but maybe dropping off a card or a flower or something, it goes a long way. And that is the thing that's going to come from this, Jamie, is we're going to go back to some very basic kindness that we need in this world. And I think we're going to go back to some of these basic yet very profound acts of trying to connect as humans. And we've gotten really complicit kind of like of just relying on texting and, and all these things. We're not having a lot of real meaningful connections. Well, now we are. I mean, mm -hmm. right. we're forced to we're forced to like check in on each other and be creative. And, you know, another thing I recommend um, around the anxiety and the depression is ask people about their life outside of this virus. You know, just like when I would work with my patients um, who are experiencing cancer, we'd really work on what other conversations can you have when you're connecting with people that are outside of the cancer experience? Because life is happening. You know, life, life continues to happen. There are still some joys amongst all this chaos. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe somebody got to see their grandchild or maybe somebody's um, child lost their first tooth and that was really fun. Maybe the tooth fairy came to the house. Whatever mm -hmm. it may be, I think it's going to be really, really important that 
people try and they're really intentional about asking a question outside of this or bringing in a story when you're talking to somebody that has nothing to do with this because mm -hmm. that's also going to be a way to kind of tamper down and dial back some of that anxiety. Yes. Yes. I know. Yeah. I mean, people are still having birthdays. I know I got a exactly. lot of joy out of seeing like the first bulbs in my garden are blooming. Aww. So that was, you know, that was kind of a nice thing. I've also been enjoying, um, I don't know if you've seen it, the Shed Aquarium in Chicago is posting videos of their penguins, one of yes. whom is named Wellington, walking around Aww. the uh, aquarium and visiting the other animals and the fish. So that uh, that's like my smile every morning. I check in and see what mm -hmm. Wellington is is doing. Um, so yeah, I think I think those yeah you're you're so right. We we do have to be very intentional. Um, I do want to ask too about a group that is even more cut off. Um, and this includes my mom. Now she's in a care facility. Mm -hmm. uh, she has uh, dementia. She now cannot have visitors. I'm not quite clear because I can't talk to her anymore. Uh, she sure. can't really operate a phone. So I'm not quite clear. She understands what's going on. And it's, that is honestly giving me the most anxiety because yeah. I'm kind of dependent now on just updates from staff and, yeah. you know, it's, I, I don't know if you have any advice on that because it's really, really tough. I certainly do not want to see her get sick because that would really be the end. But, um, it's just really tough to not be able to communicate. Oh, it's so hard. Yeah. So I'm hearing from that a lot. I, um, I've actually been thinking of that a lot. I had, um, an aunt that died recently who was like a mother. Now she was young, she was 65 and she was in, um, an assisted living. And we, we've talked a lot about that as a family recently about what that would have been like, um, mm -hmm. And, and how scary that would have felt. So I have a lot of compassion for that, Jamie. And I will say that um, we have to really rely on these, on these staff members who are, who are very overburdened, right, um, right now, because when family can't visit, it, it increases their amount of responsibility as well. And so I think, um, I think that's also something that I know a lot of my colleagues who are working in those facilities are trying to be creative about how they're going to do updates. Mm -hmm. um, and they're going to have to be much more intentional about their communication. Now, in terms of what can you do, um, you know, one of the things I really want to recommend too is that I think another thing that can help people is kind of get outside of our own story. And so can you send, um, you know, donuts or, or whatever, something to the staff, because that is one way that if the staff can feel appreciated, they tend to feel better. They can then provide better care. And it, it's right now we really have to thank healthcare professionals. I mean, they are working day and night. Um, yep. They're exposed to a lot of things, but that's another thing that we can do is, is to send things to the staff um, and just make them feel appreciated. They're going to then maybe feel, um, I, I mean, appreciation goes a long way. Gratitude goes a long way. And then maybe they're going to have kind of that energy to be like, oh yeah, 
there's a world existing outside of in here, which can feel really chaotic. Um, but I think you can also reach out. You can also ask for things. I mean, I know they're overburdened, but it is okay to ask for an every other day update or what can they do? Can they start a Facebook group? Um, can they, can they start a, um, an email group where they're doing, you know, kind of an overall, I know with HIPAA, they can't give specific things, but can they do an overall, this is the energy in the home today. So far, we don't have any cases of COVID-19 mm-hmm. or we have two or whatever, because information is what we like as humans. It mm-hmm. helps us, even if it's an illusion, it helps us feel a little more in, in control and centered. And so if you have somebody in a, in a facility, I mean, I know a lot of people right now, they have loved ones in the hospital and they can't visit. Yeah. Um, and they're doing some FaceTime with the patient. Um, so at least the family can see their face mm-hmm. and, um, and that's been helping. And so I don't know if the care facility your mom's at, if they have an iPad, if there's, if they are able to do any of that. I don't know what the HIPAA regulations are. Yeah. But you absolutely have a right to ask for communication. And again, I think they internally are figuring out what their capacity is. Um, but, you know, it's, they're going to have to come up with some kind of organized something because that is such a loss for you. And for many people, you know, to not yeah. be able to have connections with their family members. And, you know, the thing I, the thing I want also want to say to everybody listening is that yes, we have, we are learning patience through this. And yes, there are priorities that are being done, but at the end of the day, we're still humans and we still want to have a connection with people we love. And it's okay to ask for those things. People may say not today. People may say not right now. I can't do that, but it's still okay to ask. And I think that also gives us a sense of feeling like, okay, we're doing whatever we can do right now. Um, We need reassurance, right? You need to hear from the staff that today she ate pudding and she seemed really happy. You know, I mean, I think those are important things. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Good points. Yeah. You know, to really ask. Yeah, it's just, I know it's tough, especially for people who, that may have some dementia. Like I said, like my mom used to be Mm -hmm. able to use a phone and now she can't really, it's very confusing to her. Um, so it's, that's a little tough. It is tough. And they sometimes are wondering why people haven't come. One of the things I am asking staff to do in the care facilities. Um, and if people are listening that work in facilities and work with people who have dementia, is please show them their family picture and please talk about their family with the name. So like your daughter, Jamie called today. She loves you. Um, We can't have visitors right now because there's some, there's some illness going around, but Jamie called and she loves you and, and show them, show her Jamie's picture, you know, show her your picture. I think that's one thing um, because love never, love doesn't forget. I mean, love always is in there, you know, even if they can't cognitively express it. Mm -hmm. I do know at working with hundreds at the end of life, um, 
who have had some memory issues or even cognitive issues because of the cancer, they can and they will respond in some way to love because I think that that is, now she may not be able to look at the picture and go, oh, that's Jamie, mm-hmm. but we want to keep them connected to the outside world in any way that we can right now. And we can do that visually. We can do that through talking to them, um, whatever that may be. But you absolutely have the right to ask for what you need to have kind of some comfort in this at that time. And for people that are in the hospital, um, there may be women and men with breast cancer that are in the hospital right now and their families don't have the ability to visit them. It's kind of the same thing Um, as a caregiver, you know, I know that the healthcare system is overloaded right now, but it's still, you still have the right to ask and you need some reassurance that'll go a long way. You need to make sure that they're okay, that the pain is controlled. You know, if you can't speak to them for some reason or they can't speak, I think that's really important. Yeah, I agree. On a a slightly, slightly more light note, um, I noticed on Facebook, you jokingly said that that right now people who are staying in, they're either going to gain weight, they're going to get pregnant, (laughs) they're going to have the cleanest house on the block, or they're going (laughs) to learn to knit during all this uh, social, or uh, yes, uh, physical isolation. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. but seriously, um, I guess I'm wondering, can taking up a new hobby help if, you know, somebody is now working from home. So maybe they don't have that 45 minute commute. So they've got an hour and a half of extra time per day that exactly. maybe they're not quite sure what to do with. Um, do, you, exactly. do you think that can help? Like it gets your mind off of some of the, the anxiousness? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So um, a couple of things I know that people can do like um, jigsaw puzzles. Okay. And you can still order those um, online. I was watching this thing last night from, a doctor talking about the boxes of Amazon, you know, that it could be on there in cardboard, blah, blah, blah. But like he's saying, you can't get it from touching it. You get it from touching it and then touching your face. Right. So you touch the box, open it outside. Or if you're the person living with amino, um, if you're immunocompromised, have someone else open it. Everybody wash their hands. But I think um, that's the thing is, is do something that you have, that you don't normally do. Because distraction is a very good tactic for dealing with the anxiety, dealing with um, the strong emotions that are coming up right now. We're all living in kind of a moment of anxiety, but um, for different reasons, right? Um, Some may be anxious because they have children overseas or whatever it may be. We're all living with it. But at the end of the day, we can all identify with uncertainty and anxiety. So distraction. Maybe you do want to learn knitting, jigsaw puzzles, um, crossword puzzles, reading a book that feels lighthearted. Um, You know, some people never take the time to sit down and watch a series on Netflix. Maybe they're going to do that now. I would suggest something that is outside of what you normally do um, that's going to distract you, I think is a really, a really great thing. There's some virtual book clubs that are going on that I've seen people get really creative and they read a chapter of a book and then they, they meet on um, Google Hangouts or whatever they do and kind of like what you did with your workout. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. they, you know, and they, 
they don't normally do that. They say, I've never taken the time to read a book. Um, and so I think that these are, these are opportunities um, that we have that I think are really important. But yes, I do think taking up a hobby, um, and it doesn't have to be anything elaborate, you know, mm-hmm. truly like a family jigsaw puzzle, or even if you live alone, a jigsaw puzzle, or anything that's going to get your mind off things. Now, when you're doing this, I really recommend that you disconnect from TV, radio, media, because then you're not really distracted. Then you're still kind of tuning in. And if you have the TV on, there's an opportunity for a breaking news and all this stuff. And so mm-hmm. kind of taking breaks from that. Um, I've also, some of the people that I've been talking to have, I've actually recommended that they set a significant time in the day that they're going to check in on what's going on um, with the virus and with the world. And, you know, it's, if you take a, a few hours break, you're not going to miss much. The tra- the trauma is unfortunately still going to be there. The crisis mm-hmm. is still going to be there. But how we handle it might be better if we have breaks from it. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. I- and it's kind of fun, you know, like on the, on the chat board, <laughs> maybe, maybe people want to be like posting pictures of things that they're doing out of creativity. I mean, maybe we even shift the energy a little bit and like, sure. You know, somebody, I know a woman said she learned recently how to groom her own dog, you know, because oh. she's not going to be able to take the dog out. Sure. So she was posting pictures about the horrible haircut. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, it just, it was super, but it made everybody laugh, right. you know? And I think, I think those are like, I mean, they're just, they're, they're simple yet so profound. And we, you know, my gosh, please, if we can find something this is a really serious, serious situation mm-hmm. and finding some laughter and finding some joy, moments of joy. Um, and we may, may, we may dig really deep within ourselves. And if we're feeling depressed, we can't find it within. So we may have to rely on others, um, you know, to bring us some joy. We're hearing birds chirping right now mm-hmm. in the Midwest. We haven't heard that for a long time. I, everybody's commenting on it. And I think it's because we have a different perspective right now. Like, like this is life. This is new life, spring, things are budding, bulbs are coming up. Like you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I've never heard some people like I've never seen on social media. Some of these people talk about these things. Um, The cool thing is nature is available to all of us. Mm -hmm. You can't, Mm -hmm. if you can't actually get outside, you can open a window, whatever it may be. But it's available to all of us. And it, it is one of the antidotes to anxiety is breathing and getting in nature, um, which I think is going to be really important. You know, we are, we're beginning this. We don't know where we're at with this. You know, we just don't know. And that's part of the anxiety. But we're going to have to reserve some of our energy. And if we are using it all up right now in chaotic and frenetic kind of energy, you know, I'm worried. Um, about how people are going to have the ability to to have reserves and keep going through this. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, I know I could, I could certainly make everyone smile because I had to resort to cut my own bangs the other day. And (laughs) the only thing I can say is thank goodness my hair is going to grow because (laughs) clearly I was not cut out to be a hairstylist, but uh, you know, nobody really sees me right now. So that's, that's all fine. (laughs) 
maybe you could, yeah, maybe you could put a picture up. <laughs> I'll, uh, maybe I, I'll have to see how my ego feels about that. But, uh, you know, Kelly, what I, other, you know, is there anything else that, that we didn't get to that maybe you've seen on the message boards? I want to make sure I get to, you know, I'm certainly not an expert in COVID-19, um, yeah. but yeah, like I, I think, but I have. Oh, sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say the oh, I was just saying, thing people are concerned about is, is as you mentioned earlier, like the availability of treatments and just the yes. general um, feelings of not knowing, like, am I going to be able to have my surgery? Am I going to be able to go for my chemotherapy? Exactly. Um, you know, is is reconstruction considered, um, you know, an elective procedure rather than mm. essential? So there's, you know, there's a lot that's from what I've read anyway. Um, that seems to be where a lot of the concern and anxiety is. Yeah. Around. And I don't and, and I don't think we have answers to that yet because it's such we don't. it's so individualized and it's on like a facility by facility um, location. Yes. And so what, what I think is also important too, is to remind ourselves to come back to the now. Okay. And to be in the now and right now, what is certain? Like, what do we know is certain in the moment? You know, okay. I'm sitting here kind of going back to the senses, but to come back to the now, because there aren't a lot of questions in the future, right? There are a lot of answers in the future. And so I think what's important to know is that when we're living too far in the future, we're going to be anxious. When we're living too far in the past, we're going to feel depressed. And so right now, the new the recommendation for all of us is kind of in the now. What can we do right now to soothe ourselves, to calm ourselves? There are a lot of questions that people have that are that of course are very scary. The what if, the what if, the what if. Um we also know that there is a statistic out there that 85% of what we worry about doesn't come true. Um, I don't know how that's going to pertain to this situation, but I think it's a good reminder that when we tend to go too forward, we have the worst case scenario. You know, that's how we are as humans. Mm -hmm. We go too forward and we latch on to the kind of that worst case scenario. And I think we have to come back into the moment and, and try to be familiar and grounded in what we do know right now. You know, um, at this moment, we don't know if we're going to be able to see, you know, people may not know if they're going to see their oncologist. I know a lot of our practices here in the Midwest, we are canceling any non-essential appointments mm -hmm. um, for right now, like those six month checks, those, I mean, and and I'm sorry, but if you're living with this, those are really essential to you, okay? Right, and so right. I, I, I know that the language out there right now is somewhat frustrating because if you're the one living with it, that's a really essential appointment to you. But it's, they're saving it for those people that are maybe they have fevers, um, you know, whatever it may be, um, that it, it could be possibly life-threatening and more emergent. So we don't know the answers, but I think come back to the now. Also, it helps a lot if we can verbalize what our fears are. Um, I think that's where the chat boards can be very productive if if people can get those acknowledged. You know, we also have to be okay with saying we don't necessarily have the answers to all this. I mean, we don't. And people are shouldn't feel like they have to fix it for somebody, but just really honoring somebody's fear 
and um, and holding that space for them can be very helpful. And we can do that on a chat board, even with people we've never met. You go back to what did you use to get support when you were first diagnosed with cancer? Okay, when you're first diagnosed with breast cancer, because that's who's primarily going to be listening to this. But right. or your loved one was, was diagnosed with breast cancer. What tools help you to get through that uncertainty and in that fear? And what what has helped you? That can apply to this as well. And I think that's the important part to remember. Okay. Kelly, thank you so much. I feel like we could talk for another two hours, but I know, I, I know you have uh, some things to do. So I just, I want to say thank you so much. And I also kind of want to ask you if, you know, depending on how things go and change, maybe we talk to you again in a few weeks, three weeks. I'd be honored. I'd be honored. I, I, yeah. So, you know, I, the, the one thing I do know, Jamie, is that in three weeks, we're going to be in a different place. You exactly. know, I, I know, I know that for certain, I don't know what that's going to look like. Right. I just know that um, we're going to have a little more information. You know, we may be, we may, I mean, I don't know where we're going to be in three weeks, but we're going to be in a different place than we are now. Right. And we're already in a different place than we were two weeks ago. Um, in terms of, we know now we have to do this physical distancing. We know that that will help flatten the curve. Mm -hmm. I'm also really interested in hope and helping people flatten the fear because yeah. I think that the fear is so justified and yet it's where I know for me in the beginning, like when I first got back from Europe, I felt like I was spinning. I was doing this kind of scarcity thing like, oh my gosh, I got to get, oh, I got to do this and I got to do right. that. And I got I to make sure this and that, that almost made me sick. And so I think, you know, kind of coming back to the now. Mm -hmm. um, and that we live in a beautiful community, all of us do, um, that can be helped, that people will help us. I mean, we see that in the cancer community all the time. So I would be happy to come back. I hope this was helpful. Again, I, I don't profess yep. to be a, a COVID-19 expert <laughs> I, I, at all. because I don't think really we is. have any experts yet, to be honest. No, we don't. We right. don't. But I do. But I certainly... Um, have lived with fear myself and catastrophic thinking. And um, I just know if we come back to the breath and the now and um, and somehow trusting the, our own resources, we have to narrow down who do we trust. We are going to get through this. I definitely agree. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you for listening to the breastcancer.org podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. To share your thoughts about this or any episode, email us at podcast at breastcancer.org or leave feedback on the podcast episode landing page on our website. And remember, you can find a lot more information about breast cancer at breastcancer.org. And you can connect with thousands of people affected by breast cancer by joining our online community.